Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. As you can tell, I've already grabbed my cup of tea. If you'd like to do that, you're welcome to. But whatever you're doing, enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. Wow. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Jace. How are you? I'm doing good. It's always a joy to, to mm. sit here with you and talk about the things of God. Oh, isn't it fun? It's the, literally the best. I love that we are doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's such a gift. Um, today is a one-off episode. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a you know, unique opportunity for us to look at a really specific conversation and issue. And we could make this a whole series and maybe we will someday. But for the purposes of today, it's just a, just a one-off. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we hope that it's engaging. Do you want to introduce the topic and maybe why you thought of the topic, Chase? Totally. I We're going to talk about the prosperity gospel today. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, out in the wild, I feel like a lot of times when people talk about River House, they mention that like, oh, don't you believe the prosperity gospel? Or I get some random comment about... I hope they preach the gospel there or something. I'm like, whoa, like, I, I don't know why some of this uh, goes ahead of the things that are talked about at River House. But, um, and this isn't like a time for us to like vindicate ourselves or anything. It's like honest, an honest question right. of like, what is the prosperity gospel? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I have lots of questions about it. I have lots of thoughts. I think we have, there's things we hold in tension of, realities of heaven and earth and um that's what we want to get into today so i i would i mean off the bat i would say that i don't believe in the prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. i feel like i've seen the prosperity gospel laid out in different forums and it's like you know if you associate yourself with any of these people ever or have ever listened to a bethel song you (laughs) now are part of the prosperity gospel (laughs) and i just don't believe that's true yeah um, with any movement, with any church, um, we are on the already not side, mm-hmm. already, we're on this side of a new heaven and a new <laughs> earth. We have right. um, fallen away from the Lord uh, as men and women. Right? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, and like things aren't yeah, perfect. If things aren't perfect. And so it's like, I think with any with any author, movement, pastor, teacher, like things will be said and I don't hold tight to everything one person says too. Mm. So it's like, I want to give grace to like someone like, I think we'll, I mean, we'll talk about Joel Osteen today, you know? And I don't think he's all evil. I don't, I don't think he's maliciously going after the true gospel of Jesus. Totally. Um, I hope not. I've never met him. Yeah. I, (laughs) what I believe is that we are seeing a gospel, um, of pretty much the American dream. Hmm. Wow. Say that. I, 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 <laughs> I think, I think there have been movements and teachers that have just been slowly changed by the water we swim in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christ warns us of that. And I want to be aware of the things that I might pick up on that the world is telling me to pick up that God says to not pick up and to leave. Um, that are not of this world kind of thing. So wow. that was really a great way to introduce this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm <clears throat> thinking about a conference that I recently went to called Exiles in Babylon. Um, the first person who spoke, or one of the first people at least, she described how if we live in a culture, we could call it like Babylon mm-hmm. where it's not the kingdom of heaven. It's something else. It is discipling us. Yeah. Like America is discipling us. The Western world, secularism, whatever, TikTok, they're discipling <laughs> yeah. us. And sometimes the way of discipleship to Jesus looks like breaking down 
the discipleship to American consumerism that we've already just like been walking in throughout our lifetime. Um, so there's kind of like a, an unwinding of a certain kind of discipleship so that the, the correct winding up of Jesus discipleship mm. can take place. And totally. I think it's important for us to do our best to remove ourselves from the cultural soup we swim in so that we can analyze it and recognize where is it Christian? Where is it not? How can I follow Jesus faithfully? in our day and age. I really feel like that's a huge part of the heartbeat of this podcast yeah. in general. That's so good. And I think it's also worth saying that in this particular episode and in other episodes throughout the podcast, we don't expect everyone to agree with us. Mm-hmm. We don't even expect necessarily to agree with each other on everything. Totally. Um, but I think there's something holy about coming together in conversation about different issues that can sometimes be divisive with the spirit of unity, praying that we can be unified on the things that really matter. And we can critically think about all of these other things and hopefully look more like Jesus in the way that we approach these conversations. You know, I think it's important that we say to you listener that we're not trying to necessarily persuade you to think one way or the other. If you disagree with us, no problem. This is a conversation and we want to be unified by the blood of Christ. That's Uh so good. It all, like we say, it begins and ends with Jesus and that's our, that's our heart. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't know if we're ever going to land on some like, hard black and white truth today, or if we're just going to kind of discuss and, and let that be that we might leave some things unsaid. And that's not, that's like kind of intentional of just, Mm -hmm. we're always in process. And I think to think that we have everything figured out and have a comeback for everything is to not walk in meekness and able to understand people and their stories and their processes. Um, because it's so much more complicated than just like, I woke up and I think I'm going to, think this way, you know? Right. It's like, there's so much that plays into that. Mm. And there's so much that plays into this cultural soup that we swim in, swim in more than the prosperity gospel. We are told on so many fronts, all kinds of things. And I feel like in this day and age, it's louder than ever because of all the different medias and influencers. And we literally, there are people who, whose job is to influence. (laughs) They get paid money to to exist, to just to influence people's purchasing habits and like that's kind of crazy (laughs) that is weird and we've kind of caught like oh it's just like you know it's a family that i follow i mean they're paid influencers wow which is kind of interesting and so may may jesus be our only influencer wow like may may his life may may the scriptures may like the truth of heaven like be our only influence wow that's good i've for whatever reason the word influencer has been kind of like a cute Mm -hmm. oh like gen z or millennial like pop word like oh yeah i want to be an influencer i I almost want to change that not that this is necessarily a good idea but what if we call that person a manipulator oh and like yeah through some different connotations on the idea of a social media influencer wow i mean until this conversation (laughs) yeah Sorry, I talked over you. You're great. Um, until this conversation, I never really thought of like an influencer as like something that's bad. Yeah. And I don't think they're all like the malevolent. Is that the right uh, word? Yeah, malevolent. Malevolent. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but I was just like, oh, that's kind of crazy that that there's just there's so many influences out there. Yeah. Just trying to sway our thoughts and opinions. And so it's not gonna be surprising if that starts to shape in our theology. Wow. Like when I drive down a street there's a billboard that someone is paying a lot of money to create and put in front of my eyes that is trying to communicate, Hey, your life is not enough Mm -hmm. until you buy this thing. Yeah. Until you like buy into my product or my service, you're not where you should be like open up happiness. You probably know what brand I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, Coca-Cola. <laughs> but it's like, hey, just because you know not that you're sponsored. not happy enough yet, come drink my soda pop mm-hmm. and like that'll get you there. Absolutely. Like, oh, hmm. Wow, maybe I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this maybe this bubbly soda is gonna make me happy. Oh wow, funny. We live in such a weird world. Okay, totally. wait, let me reel it back now. I'm starting to get ahead of myself. Can I ask you a question? Oh have sure. you ever heard of like Riverhouse teaching the prosperity gospel? 
out in the wild? Oh, good question. Yes. Or, okay. I w- yes. Um, honestly, I haven't heard that a ton mm-hmm. as a critique of yeah. River House, but there was a time I recall Pastor Robin, who is just the best, and we'll mm-hmm. get her on here to talk about this at some point, I think. She was talking about declarations. Yeah. And I think when we have the conversation around declarations, especially in the charismatic or pseudo-charismatic church, um, you start to sound like prosperity really quickly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Robin is a prosperity gospel preacher. I really don't believe she is. Mm -hmm. But I can see why you might think that like declaring health over your body is prosperity. Yeah. Um, So I remember hearing some pushback, especially after that Sunday. But I think the people who were pushing back missed the heart of where Robin was going with mm-hmm. that, um, which is why I think this conversation is important for us to hopefully debunk any of those myths or thoughts that people might have towards Riverhouse thinking we preach prosperity. Yeah. Um, we definitely don't want to. And we also want to recognize that like Jesus is a healer yeah. and he, he wants to bring joy to our hearts. Mm-hmm. And recognize that we live in a world of sadness mm-hmm. and holding on to suffering and joy intention is a part of our call as a Christian. Yeah. So if we're ever talking about joy, don't think that we're not also concerned with suffering. Well, that's really good. I think if, if that is something that people are thinking, then we just need to do a better job talking about suffering well so that people realize we really are working to hold that tension because Jesus held that tension. You know, mm-hmm. he was a man very well acquainted with grief and affliction. Yeah. Right? Wasn't that the prophecy of him in Isaiah 53? Mm-hmm. It's like if anyone suffered greatly, it was God himself when he put on flesh. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so we could do a better job with the theology of suffering and that doesn't discount the theology of healing healing of, of heaven on earth Maybe I'll just, can I read the Oxford Encyclopedia definition of the prosperity gospel? Please do. Because <laughs> you can't ever define something without Googling what someone smart said <laughs> totally. about that thing. Uh, this says, the prosperity gospel is the belief that God rewards those with right thinking or faith, I might put in, with health, wealth, and whole life abundance. It goes by many names known alternatively as the faith, health, and wealth gospel, the word of faith gospel, or the name it and claim it gospel. Mm-hmm. So I think the caricature sometimes of the prosperity gospel is a preacher who's going up there and saying like, hey, give the church more money and then God will give you more money. Meanwhile, I'm going to go and board my private jet yeah, because I'm on my way to the Bahamas this weekend with my family mm-hmm. and hashtag favor hashtag favor <laughs> 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 right which tragically that exists oh yeah in the church mm-hmm. in multiple iterations <laughs> yeah. and I, I think i want to just say right now i don't believe in that gospel i don't believe that that is yeah. what we do i think when we ask when we all stand and bless the offering at church it's not in this belief that like, because you're giving, like you are going to just get tenfold back and everything's going to be okay. Right. I hope you've never gotten that from the prayers that we say here yeah. at River House. Like that's not our heart or my belief personally. Yeah. Same. I think, and I really, really strongly trust that everyone on staff and in the elder team would all agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like where we might land a little differently on some of the nuances around declarations. Mm-hmm. Or even even like God's hope for healing Um, all people or like what favor looks like. But I I just think it's really important to recognize that like nobody here is saying, hey, go go purchase a Lamborghini because God wants you to flaunt your wealth. And Mm -hmm. God also wants you to give me your money so that I can flaunt my wealth. Totally. Nobody's trying to do that here. Mm. Yeah. And heaven help us if in any way we air towards that. <laughs> yeah. 
I pray we don't. So hmm. uh, one, when you read that, what did you think about the Oxford Encyclopedia? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's good. It's helpful. Those words are clarifying because it's not just about wealth. It's also about health. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that is odd about this prosperity gospel is sometimes it's really connected with God and prayer. Other times it starts to get diluted and it's more about just your thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think about yourself? I was reading a Joel Osteen quote that says, here, I'll just read it right now. This is from his book titled Your Best Life Now, Seven Steps to Living at Your Full Potential, wow. which was a best-selling book in the United States for over two years and sold over 8 million copies. Wow. This is a big deal book in mm -hmm. American religious culture. Um, a quote. Oh, here we go. He says this. Right now, God is showering down blessings, healing, promotions, good ideas. If you are not sharing in his favor, you might want to watch your words. Here's the key. If you don't unleash your words in the right direction, if you don't call in a favor, you will not experience those blessings. Nothing happens unless we speak. Interesting. What, how does that quote hit you? A very like one-sided, like almost like the vending machine is always full of gumballs, <laughs> but you have to put your quarter in wow. to get the gumballs. Yep. It's waiting to give you gumballs. Yeah. And I, I'm like, that just seems so incredibly black and white and it's too simple yeah. for our very complicated world. Those are my thoughts initially. Yeah. I also, I know that that quote was pulled out of context. Yeah. I've never read all of Joel, Joel Osteen's book, so I can't critique it in its mm -hmm. whole. Um, but that didn't say anything about God. Totally. That was just like, what do you think? What are the words that you're speaking? Mm -hmm. um, which I think there's some psychological truth about how our words affect our psychology, but... I don't want to just speak into existence that I'm going to get a Bugatti yeah, and then expect that heaven is a vending machine with Bugattis mm -hmm. and it's just waiting to hand one out to me because I believe that I'm going to get one. Exactly. That's, that's not even affiliated with prayer. That's just like, um, name it, claim it, which mm -hmm. is where that phrase comes from. Like I'm going to name what I want and then I'm going to claim that it's mine. Totally. In sort of a, um, ostentatious. I'm, I'm thinking like a presumptuous way. Like I have power mm -hmm. innately inside my own mind to create whatever reality I want. And again, like there's truth in that, but that's definitely not that black and white. Yeah. And I think also it's, it's honestly giving, okay, this is my, I'm just going to say this. It's giving God credit for something that you probably did yourself. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. like, and we can maybe unpack that because I don't want to take away credit from God. But um, I think a lot of times from what I've seen, it's like, oh my gosh, I just got a private jet, like the pastor says. And it's like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, and it's like, I prayed for a private jet and I got a private jet. And I'm like, well, you had like three New York Times bestsellers. Uh -huh. You like misuse your money a lot. Like you have a ton, like... You were mm -hmm. able, like, you know, you've, you've saved and saved and saved and asked and asked and asked and never gave, gave, gave like the way that Jesus calls you to. Wow. So I'm like, I think you did all that on your own. Mm. Like, that's where I'm like, I, that's where I, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It totally or it's like the sense. people that are like, oh my gosh, I have been praying for a house in the Hamptons and you're like, and then I got a house in the Hamptons like, oh wow. Praise God. But it's like, well, you're a, a stockbroker and you had just had a huge deal and because you've swindled and swindled and swindled and gone behind these people's backs, you got that deal. Wow. But I don't think Jesus got you that deal. Wow. I think your own un, unaligned desires got you that deal. That's wild. That's my, that's my initial thought from that quote. That's a good thought. Because I could see how 
There are times when the Lord opens doors and provides a way, gets a person a house, pays off someone's mortgage or car, or like does something financial. And it seems like credit should be given to Mm -hmm. the Lord. And so important to recognize that when good things are happening in your life, it's not always because God is doing them. Yeah. Or that God even wants that thing for you. Mm -hmm. I'm like the rich young ruler coming up to Jesus. Like maybe he said that the Lord granted him all of his wealth and maybe he did. But then when the Lord was looking at him face to face and said, I want you to sell everything and follow me. Mm -hmm. He denied the opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus. God incarnate greatest opportunity ever afforded him by far. And he turned it down because of his wealth. Mm -hmm. That's sad. Huh? On the same side of that coin, yeah, are is the beautiful faith of some people I know that do thank God for all the little things in life, which I think is That's actually cool. absolutely wonderful to always just be so connected and be like, oh my God, thank you for this parking spot. Yeah, you know, sure. And it's like, I'm like, I don't know if God ordained that parking spot or not. But like, that's a beautiful thing. I've always said that's a beautiful posture to take. Mm. But, and I feel like God's probably, I don't know. I'm really speaking for God now, which is really scary. (laughs) But maybe God's like more like into that than like, oh God, thank you for this house in the Hamptons. Sure. And God's like, I didn't do that, you know? Uh, But maybe with the little stuff, he's like, I'm so glad you're like talking to me. That's good. You know? Wow. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful part of it, that we're doing it in relationship with God. I'm glad you're talking to me. Even if I didn't open that parking spot for you, I'm glad that you see me when you look at that parking spot. Mm -hmm. I think what's different with the prosperity gospel is people are talking at God Hmm. and not with God or even like thanking him. It's like this for me now, please. Right. I believe in this. I believe in this. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for this. Wow. That feels different than... Wow, God, thank you for the sunny day today. You knew I was having a bad day and the sun came out and the sunset was beautiful. Like, praise you, God. Wow. But it's complicated. You know, those are like, I'm saying very Mm -hmm. similar things. And that's where through all this, it's like, I think there is, there is a way to go about it. And we've seen people not do it well, but it's not, it's Mm -hmm. not completely black and white. No, it's, isn't it nuanced? Yeah, it's, it's tricky, very nuanced. Which is why this conversation is important, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about um, maybe this helps clarify something. I don't know. Yeah. The difference between viewing God transactionally and relationally. Oh, wow. Um, that's a conversation that we have sometimes, and I think it's a, a good way to boil it down. Like, if I look to God and I think, oh, what can he do for me? I'm going to come to him for the sake of the transaction. Like when I see God, I see my future healing because I need that healing because whatever in my body is driving me crazy. So now I'm coming to God as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. That's a transaction. Oh, I see like God is full of favor and he's going to rain this favor down on me when I follow him. So I will follow God because Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, have a healthy family and I'm going to have a nice house. Not that, I mean, a healthy family is an incredible thing, but if God becomes a means to any end, if he's not the end in and of himself, Mm -hmm. there's a problem. Yeah. Is that a simple way to boil it down? I I feel like that's pretty, it's pretty clear. I hope so. I'm cause, cause I think what I want, I mean, a cry of my heart, genuinely speaking for myself is I want God period Mm -hmm. come hell and high water, whatever may happen to me. Yeah. Like I know that was Paul's disposition. He said, like I'm content in all things, whether I abound or whether I suffer, whether I'm beat hungry or my tummy's full every day. Like Mm -hmm. I'm content in all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying, I have Jesus. Therefore I don't really need anything else. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. I shall not want. Totally. I don't need anything because I have the one thing that really matters. That's so good. I'm like, dang, when you're operating in that paradigm, then praying for healing is a different story. Because mm-hmm. it's like, Lord, heal me, please. 
And yet I maybe in faith recognize that if you choose not to heal me, it's because I have trust in you that there's a better way. Mm-hmm. And maybe this thorn in my side is wow. actually what you've ordained. And I'm going to submit to that. That's so good. But that, that doesn't exist in a transactional world, mm-hmm. only in the relational, like trusting mind of faith. Can that live? I just had this, this thought, not so good. And I completely agree with you. I just went off. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> that, that, no that was, that was so good. And I, I, man, there's so much in there. Um, the, I think a good argument against the prosperity gospel would be to look at the life of the people closest to Jesus <laughs> and how they ended up. Yeah. Like say not, that. not, not a lot of retirement accounts, no palaces. <laughs> um, they were all murdered. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, you know, like, or like die, like died of old age. Like it's like died alone on an Island. Wait, what? Yeah. I don't Patmos. know. Yeah. Patmos, John is John. the only one that wasn't martyred. Yeah. But he was exiled. Totally. Supposedly. And uh, I'm like, that doesn't look like the name it, claim it. Like, I'm going to be on the throne. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to become the, the Caesar of Rome. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, there's just like, there's just none of that that happened to them. Like the Lord, but the Lord took care of them until, until the, the fallen nature of the world, um, took their lives. You know, it's like the Lord provided for them. Like, like the Lord worked through them, uh, in spreading of the gospel and the healings and all this kinds of stuff. So it's like, that should probably be a closer blueprint of what our lives might look like if we are fully surrendered to the Lord. That's so good. I think when you go there, that necessarily breaks me out of my cultural soup mm-hmm. because I can't see through the eyes of American consumption. Yeah. When I think about Mark, the early apostle, actually it's going to get graphic, but legend has it that he was killed because he was dragged behind a chariot through the streets of a city mm. tied yeah. by his ankles. Yeah. Yeah with a rope like that. That's not name it, claim it. Mm -hmm. And yet for the joy set before him, I know he followed Jesus Mm -hmm. and for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Yeah. Um, so I, here's a question that we could pose. Yeah. What is abundance? Cause when I was in my undergrad, I was reading a book about lowliness by a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. Mm -hmm. And it was all about like, embracing poverty so that we can relate to the poverty of Jesus. And while I was reading that book, I went into my wonderful uncle's house whom I just love. And a book on his shelf says, God wants you to be rich. Yeah. (laughs) And the subtitle has something to do with like in our abundant world, God has given us all we need for everyone to attain all the wealth they could ever imagine. Um, and immediately I just have like a pretty large visceral reaction because <laughs> yeah. it's like, Oh my goodness. I feel like that is absolutely missing the point. Mm-hmm. I could be really judgmental of that, but I, I, and I haven't read that book. It's by a guy named Paul, Paul Pilzer. If you want to go look it up, God wants mm-hmm. you to be rich. Um, but he's, he's defining abundance in a certain way. He's looking at it through like, an economy of financial abundance, meaning I can have all that I want and that doesn't take away from anyone else. Mm. Um, how does that compare or contrast to Jesus's words in John ten ten, when he says, I came that they might have life and life abundant. Mm-hmm. Like what does the abundant life mean when, the son of man doesn't even have a rock to lay his head on. Hmm. What does the abundant life mean when Paul's in and out of prison, his whole life getting stoned and flogged? Yeah. Um, what is abundance? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I meet my mind immediately goes to, um, was it Jesus? that says knowing, or is it Paul? Like knowing Christ is eternal life. What's that? What's that verse? Oh, John 17, probably Jesus is praying to the father and he says, this is eternal life that they might know you father and the one whom you sent. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, but I'm like, that doesn't have any physical wealth repercussions or health repercussions. And mm. I mean, I, yeah, I think there's something to like having our needs met that is super biblical. Mm. Um, but the idea of what our needs are and how they're met is so up for interpretation and, uh, misinterpretation, uh, especially through like our cultural lens. And so I would, I mean, part of me would argue that there is enough resources on the earth to have everyone have all that they need. Yeah. But in our far fallen world, there has just been so much mismanagement and everything mm. that like some people have so much and some people have so little. I just, what I don't agree with it is that like, we're all meant to be millionaires. Right. You know, that's a key difference. Yeah. And so I think there, God, I think what Jesus is talking about life abundant is that you're not, you're like, you're in community. Mm-hmm. Like you are not um, outside. I look at all like his ministry with the lepers, like bringing them back into the fold. Mm. That feels a lot more like the abundant life. Like, cause like connection with other humans that are also connected to Christ. I feel like that's it. Mm. That's what everyone needs. Mm. And in that space, like there's so much care and, and, and love and compassion that like, you know, if something happens, like if you get sick, like you'll be taken care of. Um, if you go bankrupt, you'll be taken care of. Um, so wow. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like going down a, a, the wrong rabbit trail there. No, that's, I think the perfect okay. place to go. So I, I think, I think Jesus does talk about abundance. Mm -hmm. I just think abundance means something very different in 2023 than what Jesus was Mm -hmm. even mentioning, you know? Yeah. I think maybe we get a snapshot of what you're describing in Acts chapter two, right after the church is formed. And it says that they had all things in common Mm -hmm. and the people who had a lot sold their land and they distributed wealth. And don't, don't hear this as me being a proponent of communism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to get political at all. In yeah, saying totally. This. Uh, what I am saying is the church is taking care of each other mm-hmm. and like, it's like the ultimate insurance that yeah. the, the body of Christ is there for one another. It's like, Oh, that person doesn't have food. I have enough food. Mm-hmm. Come eat with me. Yeah. You should never have to go without something you need because ideally the people in community around you can meet their needs and yours. Mm-hmm. If we, if we share, I think th- those are some key words there that you use. Like we have everything that we need, not necessarily everything that we want because our desires inflate in this consumeristic world. Yeah to a place that's unattainable, mm-hmm. like an exponential inflation of our desires. But I've heard that there's enough food produced in the world today. And there has been for a long time to feed everyone. Mm-hmm. Like we have all that we need food wise. Um, but it doesn't get to the people that need it. Yeah. Instead we waste, I don't remember what percentage of our food in America. Do you remember? It's Jace? unreal. I'll look you it just up. Just Google it really quick. We, we just food waste is an insane problem in the U S and then you go to another country that has food insecurity and it's the opposite. Um, in the United States each year, 119 billion pounds of food is wasted. That equates to 130 billion meals, more than 408 billion in food thrown away each year. Was that last Sh- figure a dollar amount? Uh, yeah, that was a dollar amount. $408 billion. Billion dollars. Shockingly, food. nearly 40% of all food in America is wasted. 40%. Okay, that's the, the number in my head was somewhere around 40. That's this, crazy. this is from feedingamerica.org. Okay. Isn't that crazy? There you have it. So that's, that's a picture of oh. how there is the potential for abundance, meaning everyone to have what they need. Mm-hmm. And yet we're missing it because we... I don't know. We focus on ourselves and mm-hmm. putting as much food on my plate as I can handle, even though it's more than my stomach can mm-hmm. consume. I also want to say, I think, I mean, Jesus came to give us 
the abundance, the abundant relationship with the Father, too, with God. Oh, that's and so before cute. before Christ, we didn't have complete access to Him, um, and now we have the Holy Spirit. And so there's that too. Like we now we have unlimited access to to God. Wow. That's um but and before Christ we didn't. It was limited. It was through a mediator, it was through a high priest or a sacrifice or all these different things. And now um, you know, two thousand years ago for the first time it was like all abundant God. Wow. Wow, I love that. I'm thinking about that's just breaking those cultural boxes of what abundance means. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I want bigger paychecks every month for the rest of my career. Abundance. I'm manifesting abundance is like a catchphrase these days. Manifest. I'm just going to believe it. Like think it, claim it, name it, claim it right there. Manifest abundance. Um, but what if, I can look at everything that I have and think, wow, I'm so happy with what I have. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful with what is around me already. I have God living inside of my heart. I need nothing else. Oh, yeah. I actually, I have way more than I need. Mm-hmm. If you're a person like me living in privileged American, you know, Western middle-class society, yeah. like I'm great. I have way too many clothes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, I'm too full too often. Yeah, totally. Which is why it's good to practice disciplines like fasting or Mm -hmm. even just prayer and contemplation or like getting to know people from different walks of life. Cause I can't have these conversations without thinking about my friends who live in Haiti Mm -hmm. or Cameroon who don't have all that they need. Mm -hmm. And yet their spirits feel more content than a lot of the people around me in Boise. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. Cause they're like, when I lived in Cameroon, there was this, um, I forget if I've ever brought this up on the podcast cause it's so helpful to me. I know I talk about it a lot, but we talked about how there are three different kinds of poverty. Hmm. One is material poverty mm-hmm. and the other two spiritual poverty and social poverty. Wow. Yeah. And what we discovered was that, in Cameroon where often people, and I know this is true of many other places. I just experienced it there in West Africa, but um, where there was material poverty, like they didn't have enough clothing or food Mm or rooms in their houses for all the kids to sleep in beds. Yeah. They had incredible relationships. They felt known They didn't feel depressed. They felt loved. They felt a sense of belonging and they had an incredible faith. Mm -hmm. They just longed for God, like living dependent on the Lord moment by moment. And the like incredible robust faith that I saw in people in situations of material poverty was amazing and helped me realize, wow, I think sometimes when we're materially rich, we tend to be more socially and spiritually poor. Yeah. That's a paradigm I think we forget way too often. I'm really feeling a bit... Yeah, I don't know. I feel I, right now I'm I'm getting this wave of like inadequacy to even like talk about this because I come from such a privileged wow baseline, you wow. know, yeah. of what that looks like, and it's like God, like make me empathetic and compassionate to like mm-hmm. to just understand that even more. Yeah, I think that's a great place to go. That's empathetic, really humble. Yeah, I I, I just don't want to like. Yeah, ever sound like I'm talking down to anyone. Hmm. I'm sure I'm guilty of that way too much. Jesus's words about money are convicting. I'm even feeling convicted right now. Mm -hmm. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about any other thing in life, like sexual immorality or alcohol or yeah. I don't know if I knew that. 
I mean, he talks about the kingdom of God more than any other thing, period. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like just the way that humans live life, you know, we have a lot of conversations around sexuality, LGBTQ conversation or whatever, which is a really important conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Jesus gave way more airtime to money though. He was like, there's a parable about a guy who builds a barn that's too big. And then he dies the next day. And Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. You store up your treasures on earth, moths are going to eat it. And it's just going to be consumed by the flame. Put your treasures where they're never going to decay. Yeah. And then he says, like, after the rich young ruler, you know, he says, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Wow. And then his disciples are like, well, then who can be saved? (laughs) And Jesus says, all things are possible with God. Nothing Mm -hmm. is impossible with God. There's some good line like that. I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it right in front of me. But like Jesus says a lot about money. Mm -hmm. Um, Not being anxious about anything is really connected to Jesus's teaching around money. Wow. Which is ironic thinking that we might be some of the more anxious. I don't know. I don't have any stats to back this up. I'm just guessing right Mm -hmm. now, but um, I feel like we're pretty anxious people in the United States. Mm -hmm. And yet we have so much. Totally. There's like more security and insurance and opulence. And there is definitely studies that say that. that, Yeah. That like anxiety and depression are like rampant in the United States. And, Oh, I was really far away from the mic there. <laughs> I bet it picked you up. Okay. If I, uh, yeah, there's studies that say that I can totally back that up. Mm-hmm. I think that's completely true yeah. and kind of crazy that he like ties those two things together. Totally. He's like, don't worry about what you're going to eat. What clothing you're going to wear. I've never had to worry about my clothes. Like, yeah. am I going to be warm enough? Totally. No, I've, I've always had enough clothing. Mm-hmm. So much so that I'm putting on my sweatshirt right now because I was just slightly too cold. <laughs> I took it off because I was slightly too warm earlier. <laughs> yeah. So it's like... And not only is it warm and cozy, wow. but it, it looks really nice. It's just trendy. That's very kind. That's yeah. very kind. Totally. Today's episode is sponsored by... <laughs> I don't know what brand that is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, Probably Costco. Wow. I, I'm not... Um, where are we at here? Yeah, honestly. Okay, <clears throat> here's a thought. Yeah. When I was a kid... I remember having a pretty existential thought that heaven was going to be the best place on earth. Oh, wait, <laughs> wow. it was going, it, if I could look at anything on earth mm-hmm. and it would look like heaven, it was probably the greatest place on earth. Mm-hmm. So what is the greatest place on earth? And that will teach me about heaven. Oh yeah. And naturally because I was seven, I thought Disneyland. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, not praise God. I'm not sure where this conversation will go. I don't know. Thank you, Walt. <laughs> yeah. But heaven was Disneyland to my seven-year-old mind. Yeah. But then I think maybe my 10-year-old mind had a new thought that was, and I'm just, I, I assume this is nothing but the Holy Spirit in me because I think it was so profound and wise beyond my childhood head. Um, I remember thinking, what if Disneyland isn't, like heaven doesn't look like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. What if heaven feels like Disneyland because mm-hmm. of the the posture of my heart because I'm in, in relationship with God, it feels better than Disneyland and it doesn't actually matter whether there's good food there or whether there are fun amusement park rides. Totally. Yeah. And like whether the weather is always nice, like grassy Hills, I don't know. Like what if heaven actually doesn't look that appealing from our earthly perspective? But we're in relationship with God. And Mm. then because of that, it's way more appealing than we could even imagine. Mm, That's so good. No, I like that. That's a fun thought experiment. That's a great thought experiment. Yeah. And I I think, I mean, I would have to think like uh, what we imagine heaven to be very much forms what the things we ask God for. Hmm. Would, wow. that, would that be, yeah. you think that's like true? It's like if, if he, I mean, I think we understand that like there's no more crying, there's no more pain in heaven. Um, we're not told a lot about heaven in the scriptures, but 
a good leap from that, like a, a fair leap, maybe not the best leap, is that everyone on earth has to be healed instantaneously. <laughs> sure. From their afflictions. Mm-hmm. Um, or pain. I feel pain when I can't, you know, buy what I want. Sure. Or like I feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so well, if heaven, if there's no pain and that's how I define pain, then I, then God needs to provide, you know, wow. enough money for me to go shop at, you know, Nordstrom every week. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't even have to be that opulent. Oh yeah. Maybe it's just like pain because, um, I don't know. I got laid off from a job. Mm hmm. And I'm feeling rejected and I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. Yeah. I'm going to pray into that. Cause like, mm. holy cats, where's my provision coming from? Where's my sense of security? Uh, where's, where's my sense of belonging? Yeah. I feel like those questions are answered in heaven. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. And I know that by his stripes, I am healed. So we should pray those things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know about you guys listening to the podcast, but I've prayed a lot of things that haven't happened. Mm-hmm. Like I, I continue to pray for people to be healed. I've prayed for a lot of people to be healed that weren't healed and passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I pray for provision to come when it doesn't. It's like when I first started my career as a real estate agent, I prayed that business would come quickly and it didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, what do I, what do I do? I think Joel Osteen would say, I'm not thinking about it correctly mm-hmm. or I don't have the faith. I'm not praying God sized prayers. I know that's one of his famous sermons. Yeah. Um, I'm very confident that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I was praying huge prayers Yeah. and I had the faith for it. Mm-hmm. Not always, but some definitely a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so then where's the problem? Where's the disconnect? Is God not good? Mm -hmm. Am I thinking of heaven differently? And I think that's where we like, can't have great answers because of course God is good. Mm -hmm. Like there's gotta be some kind of discomfort that we sit in here and we trust that God's perspective is holy and great. Mm -hmm. And he understands things that we don't. And if a prayer is left unanswered, there must be a reason for it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's other will, wills at play besides God's, and that's something that we also have to hold in tension. The other thing that I've learned over the past two years and I've come to grips with is that life is hard a lot of the times. Wow. In many different respects. And that doesn't, you can't, I can still hold that truth and the truth that God is good at the same time. Is there that tension? Of course. But I know that God has given us like, has given everyone like the will to choose love or not love. And some people have chosen not love and that wreaks havoc on our world. Um, it wreaks havoc on on our relationships and our finances, um, in every aspect of our lives. But that does not mean that God is not good still. Mm. And the truths about him are not true. Um, I don't know. That's like, I, but it was kind of hard to come to grips with because I, for a long time I was like, well, if, if something's hard, I need to pray into it that it would be changed mm. immediately. And I'm not sure where I picked up that thought. Um, but it was something mm. that I feel like I picked up in, in this cultural soup. That's good. But also realizing that to always be praying for the things that the Lord lays in my heart. But I'm going to go through hard things. Yeah. Um, Jesus says that. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, he says, I have overcome the world. He didn't say I have overcome suffering. You right. know? He's like, I, I will, I have won like against the battle of evil, mm-hmm. but on this side of heaven, there still will be suffering. Right. John sixteen thirty three. in case you want to go look up what Jay's just said. What's the, what's the full verse again? Oh, do you want me to pull it up? Yeah. Pull it up. That's basically it. In this oh, world, yeah. you will have tribulation. You will have trouble, oh, but yeah. take heart for I've overcome the world. I think you got it. I don't need, I'll need to look it up. Um, which is just so good. I'm thinking about suffering. There was a time when I was really depressed. Uh, and I'd been sad before, but I hadn't ever been in like the pit of depression. 
And if you've ever been in the pit of depression, you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Mm -hmm. I could not get out. And I was praying to God. I was like, I don't understand what the heck is going on. I am just miserable all the time. And um, this image was in my head. Like I was actually in this big hole, like a cylindrical hole that was dug into the ground. Mm -hmm. And I was frantically scrambling to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Almost like I was claustrophobic, like frantic to get out of this hole that was suffering. I wanted happiness again. I wanted contentment again. And then there was a, there was a shift that happened in my prayer time where I realized, Oh, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Um, I realized that somehow in the hardest suffering, I felt like I was, I was at the foot of the cross looking at Jesus and he was looking at me Mm -hmm. and I had a revelation of who God is that I never could have had unless I was in the pit. Wow. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, I think I maybe have never felt so close to the heart of Jesus than when I was most broken. Mm -hmm. And not that that's like, going to be what heaven's like because mm-hmm. yeah. revelation's clear, like no more tears, no more mm-hmm. suffering, no more pain. Yeah. Um, but I think when we live in this world, that's a holy opportunity for us to experience when we are suffering yeah. is to not like have all of our answers, all of the questions that we're asking answered or to have our pain go away, but to look up at the face of our Lord who chose to enter the pain and suffering with us and see that his ultimate suffering conquers my eternal suffering. Mm -hmm. And I have eternal life as a result. And my God understands my pain. He sees me there. He meets me there Mm -hmm. when I feel completely alone and isolated in it. And I'm just scrambling to get out of it because I want to manifest favor and abundance in my life. I'm, if I'm doing that, my head is turned away from the foot of the cross, which is maybe right where Jesus wants me to meet him. Yeah. That, I don't think that paradigm really can exist in the prosperity gospel. No. Which, what a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther called that the theology of the cross, um, which was just the idea that our a revelation of God is most potent when we are suffering and we meet Jesus in his suffering. Wow. We really share in the sufferings of Christ, like Paul would say it. Mm-hmm. And then in abiding with him in suffering, we can abound with him in life. Wow. Now, I think there's something there to that, which has to do with totally. the like, what you were saying that life is hard in mm-hmm. this world. You will have tribulation, yeah. but take heart. Like that. we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, thanks for letting me go there. That was no, kind of heavy. Thank you for going there. That was powerful. That's also, if I can taking me to the beatitudes, mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus is upside down kingdom. It breaks all of our boxes. Yeah. The prosperity gospel is not upside down. It's very right side up. <laughs> yeah. In our American, culture. in our American culture. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, of course. I want more things. I want long life. I want health and mm-hmm. happiness and better food in my tummy and whatever else. Not that any of those things are bad, but Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. They are going to inherit the earth. Hmm. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I think that last one is what I was just describing. Yeah, absolutely. I was mourning and I felt God's comfort, but it took me a while to allow myself to feel God's comfort because I didn't believe blessed are those who mourn. Mm -hmm. I believed, oh, despised are those who mourn, cursed are those who mourn. I'm mourning over here and I hate it. Totally. Get me out of this pit. Not fun are the people that mourn, you know? I want (laughs) to be the fun guy. I want to get out and like, it's like, I'm not supposed to be here. And so you're just looking up at that hole of like, how do I get out? Get me out of here. I went out and like the Lord's just like, I didn't put you in this hole, but I'm, re- I'm ready to meet you in this hole. Wow. And maybe some understanding that you've gained from me 
at the foot of the cross wow might help make this whole little shallower that's good whoa that's beautiful i I was just thinking that it's like i don't i don't believe Mm. i hold i hold that god wouldn't put someone in depression Mm -hmm. i think the fallen world gets us there yeah and you know the lies of this world get us there but christ is always right there ready to meet us in any situation and that's that's the beauty of of what he promises wow. in the beatitudes is that he's going to be right there and you and you will find blessing with Christ mm-hmm. as someone who is meek poor in spirit in mourning yeah not as you're not going to like the blessings of Christ aren't in your stock portfolio right in your friendships in your promotions mm-hmm. Like that's not what, that's not where the blessings are promised. Hmm. Wow. I love that you brought up the Beatitudes like that. I, I mean, I, this is, I'm thinking on the fly. I have not prepared this. Like this is total verbal, verbal it's processing. It's mm. good. I'm, I just have this picture cause I'm still picturing the whole, yeah, myself in it like looking up at the mouth of the hole, like you were just saying, waiting for Jesus to come over the ledge of the hole with his arm or a Mm -hmm. rope to rescue me out of it. I'm like Mm -hmm. looking up saying, Jesus, where are you? Yeah. And I'm so loud that I can't hear him whisper. Hey, like, how about you just sit down and recognize that I'm sitting here crisscross applesauce at your feet, just waiting to talk to you about it. Oh my God. But I'm like so desperate to get out of the hole that I'm missing the opportunity to sit with him closer maybe than I ever have sat with him in the darkness of that hole. Not that I want to celebrate, you know, depression. Like that is exaltation. And you can see how maybe people could start to do that. Um, But I think think we need a more robust theology of suffering. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I've said that a couple times in this podcast because I just I feel like it's necessary. Yeah, in the conversation around the prosperity gospel, because those in prosperity, those in name it claim it worldviews, are missing. Yeah, what Jesus has to offer in the theology of the cross, as Martin Luther called it. That was very well said. Thanks. I hope so. No, so good. This is this is big. We could keep talking a lot longer about this, but. Mm-hmm. We're about at an hour, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Um, so, I mean, one thing to talk about that we could just throw these questions on the table and leave totally. you to like mull on them, listener, yeah. is why does God heal sometimes and not other times? Mm-hmm. Why did Jesus heal the people that he healed in the Bible? Sometimes it was like to bring them back in community. You wonder if the healing was even the point or if it was the social healing that he was after. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that might have been the case. Like, why did he leave the 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 thorn in Paul's side, quote, unquote? Yeah. Like, whatever that thorn was. It, I'm sure there are some of you who are listening to this podcast that have been contending for something, maybe a lot of things, for a really long time and haven't seen that fulfilled. I'm not telling you to stop praying. Jesus no. said, bang on the door and ask for those loaves of bread. Be the persistent widow, you know, lean into prayer, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. That is true. Mm -hmm. And it is also true that not every prayer is answered, even when we contend for it for decades. Yeah. That doesn't mean stop praying. It just means don't get discouraged. I don't know. Yeah. Continue to believe that God is good. Totally. And, And maybe some of those things are prayers you should even ask the Holy Spirit is is this your will, you know, Hmm. or is this something that I've been praying for um, because of the soup I'm living in of American culture and these specific needs to be met? Or if I'm praying for, I mean, I think the thing that comes to mind is like, if I go and, you know, if I'm just praying that all the homeless get houses, sure. um, I'm not really going after some of the maybe bigger root problems, Hmm. you know? And then if the Lord answered that, then you'd have, you know, 
150 people just in homes alone, still with no community. Wow. Still with no emotional healing. And I'm like, I don't know if that's what the Lord's heart is, you know? And so maybe sometimes we see that physical poverty, but really the Lord wants to see this us, wants us to see the spiritual or social poverty. Mm. And I think with this, and especially with prayer, it's like, Lord, give me your eyes, Mm. give me your heart. And that's a prayer so often on this podcast, but if we are to be like Jesus, like that should be our prayer all the time. Should be my prayer. Um, Amen. Which you say that should be our prayer. I'm reminded of how Jesus taught us to pray. mm -hmm. He said, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on Mm -hmm. earth as it is in heaven. Not the American dream be done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not my will because I have a will, but I want your will, Lord, like help Mm -hmm. me align my will with yours and make your will come on earth as it is in heaven and give us this day, our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Maybe my daily bread is all I'm told to pray for by Jesus, not my r- lifetime bread. Totally. Not uh, such an opulent, abundant amount of the greatest bread. No, mm-hmm. just my daily bread. I love that. I feel like I've had that revelation mm-hmm. before of like, God, I am stressed and I need peace yeah. or I am whatever, frustrated and I need joy. And, and I would ask that like once in a week, you know, mm-hmm. hoping to get a week's dose and <laughs> then realize it got me through one day and I need to come back to like the feet of God again and wow. ask and like, or like figure out what my daily bread was from him for that day. Yeah. There's something to the relationship and not the transaction. Amen. It's so important that you touched on at the beginning. I think that's a really good framework for this. I think that's fundamental and maybe a good place to land the plane. Yeah. To put a period on it. We strive for relationship with God, not for anything. It's not about what you can do for us, Lord. It's just about who you are. Hmm. I just want to be near your heart. (laughs) That was fun. Wow. Well, thank you listener for engaging in this conversation with us. That was fun. If we ruffled any feathers or offended anyone, Feel free to send us an email. We'd love to have coffee with you. Yeah, totally. Honestly, <laughs> I, I would love to have those conversations because I feel like there's so much that I still don't know. Same. And I'm like, I would love to be refined, questioned, any of those stuff. Wow. Careful what I ask for. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah please. Truly. Email is uh, deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's if right. you like have answers to these questions that we posed, or want to share them, like it might spur on more conversation in another podcast someday too. So we'd love to hear from you and yeah. Yeah. Thanks Benjamin. Thank you, Jace. This was good. Thanks Joel. Osteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shoot. I was going to read one quote. Do you still want to read it? This is just wild. I love it. Please go for it. Okay, fine. I'll just read it really quick. Um, If I can find it. Um, Okay, okay, okay. So there's a Victorian social Darwinist named Russell Conwell, a Baptist minister who founded Temple University. Oh. He preached a sermon called Acres of Diamonds. (laughs) And in his sermon, he said this, it is your duty to get rich. Wow. And he said, to make money, money honestly is to preach the gospel. Interesting. So I wish I had said that earlier in the conversation because <laughs> I just think like he's seen, like I came that they might have life and life abundant, like that kind of ab- abundant life is being very material. Mm-hmm. It's your duty then yeah. to make as much money as you can. <laughs> to get rich is to preach the gospel. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. He's really missing a lot of things. Preach the gospel by buying a lot of stuff. And if necessary, use words. (laughs) If you mix this guy in St. Francis. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So it's a, to avoid comments like that, that we thought this conversation was important. Yeah. (laughs) 
We just like to say that we don't agree with that. Yeah, we agree that uh, it's all about relationship with God. Well, let's bring us back to that period point. Yes, Sorry, I pulled totally. us off again. <laughs> no, that was good. What a great acres of diamonds. Acres of diamonds of all the of all the sermon titles that mm-hmm. one got me. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, we love you. Goodbye, friends. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week or on Sunday at mm-hmm. Riverhouse Church meeting whenever we meet at the time that this podcast releases. Maybe stay tuned. I mean, we'll say 4 p.m. We'll say 4 p.m. If if it was different, you'll hear like a robot robotic voice over that time. <laughs> 6.30 p.m. <laughs> no, 4, 30, 4, 4, gosh, 4 p.m. at yeah. the Vineyard, Boise. There you go. Love to see you. <laughs> okay. Many well, blessings. Have the best weekend. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters Podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse worship team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.